1: Okay, folks, inside the 8 o'clock hour on the fan, Keith McPherson with you here till 12. Joining me right now is NFL reporter Mike Giardi out in Buffalo. You've seen him on the NFL Network. I'm a fan. And uh, first off, I want to say, Mike, thanks for making time. I know it's been a crazy week, but I appreciate you joining us.
2: Oh, thanks for having me. So
1: the first question I wanted to ask was when did you get out to Buffalo? Like what what day or what time did you um, get out there to start covering this story?
2: Yeah, so my colleague Cam Wolf was covering the game. And, of course, I'm a football fan, so I'm watching the game and knowing that I've spent a lot of time around Buffalo and Cincinnati. So, I, you know, I was looking forward to it. So I was watching the game. Obviously, we saw what we saw. I was talking with my bosses no decision had been made by the time, you yeah, it was like 1130, 12 o'clock. I just said, I got, I got to sleep. I woke up at about 3:30 in the morning to some missed calls and they were like, you got to go to Buffalo. And I was like, absolutely book the flight. And, uh, I've been here since uh, Tuesday morning.
1: Wow. Yeah. 3:30 in the morning. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I've already spoken tonight about how I've been, you know, on the radio till 2am and then I, I go home and I'm still searching through things, trying to find updates and it's been tough to sleep and, uh, I can't imagine, you know, you know, in the middle of the night having to travel to cover a story. And I'm sure you're around the clock trying to find out more information and, and more things. I feel like today was the, the day, though. Today was the day that um, I just said that, you know, players talked about, you know, wanting to get that, like, thumbs up or that head nod or that okay that they did not get when DeMar was taken off the field. But I feel like the news that we got today was that first little bit of like, okay, you can breathe a little bit. He's all right. Like, you know, um, I'll never get over the fact that he asked who won the game.
2: Yeah. I mean, that is pretty amazing. And, you know, if you heard Josh Allen and Dane Jackson, some of the other guys talking today, look, not surprised. Like that's just who he is more concerned about us than he is thinking about himself. Uh, And if you kind of follow his history and, and just who he's been, as a person for a long time now, Uh, long before uh, DeMar Hamlin became um, very popular, you know, in the last 72 hours in terms of us knowing all about him, that's who he's been as a person. So uh, I, 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 that was kind of refreshing, but I think you're right. There was, you know, definitely a little lift that they got yesterday when they got the, the zoom call that team had with, with his dad, Mario. Um, But this, this today was, it gave them a real energy, and it, and it gave them a real sense of, okay, you can exhale a little bit. Like, obviously, he's not out of the woods. There's, As the doctors talked about, there's still a long way to go in his recovery, but there were so many good things that came out of the conversation with the doctors today about the things that they saw and where he's at with some of these things that I think the whole team could exhale a little bit. And you're not going to forget it. They're certainly not going to forget it. They're going to be thinking about it for, for a long, long time, maybe forever. As Josh said, the, the image of what happened on the field is seared in his brain. He's replaying them over and over again. But now it's like, okay, we got to be pro football players, and there's, there's still processing going along. But that a little bit of a chance, a little bit of an opportunity to turn the page, um, obviously not completely. They're never going to turn it completely. But to some degree, think about football.
1: Yeah, and uh, they know they have a job to do. And I think I read somewhere that his dad said, like, you know, he'd want them to go out and compete and win and finish the journey. They're trying to win a Super Bowl this year, and he was a part of that. And what he'd want them to do is not worry about him, but go out there and do the job, win games, and uh, make the push. So what was the vibe like in practice? What was the vibe like with with the guys preparing now to face New England and then uh, push forward?
2: So I'm told there was definitely a lot of energy at practice. They were playing the music a little bit. They weren't doing that. yesterday at had to walk through. There was definitely, as I said, there was sort of a little bit of a release. And as some guys said today, Mitch Moore saying like putting on the helmet was a bit cathartic, you know, sort of like, oh, okay, this, mm-hmm. this is what we do, you know, and there's a routine to it. You know, these guys are they're wired, you know, that, okay, play the game, then recovery, you got your lifting, you got to do this, you got to get your treatment. Then we game plan, then we got, you know, there's, there's that whole process. And that process obviously was, was flipped upside down a little bit. But the thing that did strike me about uh, today was uh, this team is exhausted uh, mentally and physically for for reasons that you clearly understand, right? And they have to refuel the tank. And there's definitely going to be an incredible outpouring of support from the fan base. This is a home game on Sunday. I mean, the guys are talking about Sean McDermott said it's probably going to be unlike anything we've ever seen before. But how much can that emotion carry a team that is definitely a little fried, in my opinion, right now? And as I said, understandably so. And not only that, but there's the preparation aspect of it. You know, the, are they putting, have they been putting everything into football when their minds have been elsewhere? And like I said, today's a chance to sort of, okay, he's doing better, concentrate more, but this league is so the line is so fine in this league right you you underperform by 10% 15% and you see it all the time every week you're like how did that happen how did that team lose or how was that game so close that team hasn't won a game all year they're two and 12 or whatever and you see these things happen so i'm just i'm wondering if the team can fill up the tank fast enough for Sunday's game now look they're just as I continue to interrogate myself here, they're a a much better team than New England is. New England is a middling team. Buffalo is not. Buffalo is one of the best teams in the league, and you could argue when they play in their best, they are the best team in the league. But it it is an interesting scenario uh, for them to just see if they can find that energy.
1: Yeah, 1 o'clock game, and uh, I'm sure Bill's Mafia will be out there, one of the best fan bases in the country. Uh, It's going to be a scene. I I can't wait to see it, and I'm sure the Patriots will have – Heavy hearts as well. Um, at least it is week 18, the last week of the season, where we do expect uh, some guys to get off their feet, some starters to rest, things like that. Now, my, my next question I wanted to ask you is, what are you hearing or thinking, or uh, do you know anything about the protocol? Because we, we learned today that they're not going to play the or resume play for the um, Bills-Bengals game. Uh, they're going to figure that out in other ways uh, I still need some more clarity on, you know, what what do we think is going to happen here with the seeding? Uh, are they going to go off of winning percentages? I know there was a rumor that they might add an extra playoff team on each side, AFC, NFC, and even maybe a neutral site for the AFC championship. Have you gotten any intel on that stuff?
2: I think it's all over the place. I think when they said yesterday in the conference call that we had with, with um, Dr. Sills, but there was other people in the conversation that the idea was not that they're hyper-focused on DeMar and his health, obviously. Um, And they said, you know, we haven't really, we're just starting to get into that, which I'm not totally sure I buy fully, but I think that there's so many things on the table here that they really are trying to sort through and also sort of gauge with the teams. You know, like how do you feel like, I think there's just there's a lot on the table, and I and I don't think they've fully sorted it out. I think they need to, obviously, pretty soon here. Um, but to me, if you're going to eliminate that Bengals Bills game, if that's if we're not going to see them try to replay that in an extra week, then I, I think it just has to be based on winning percentage. To me, that's the that's the fairest thing to do, and 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 it's not perfect because it's not totally fair, right? But this is just like to me. It's obviously a different situation, but in COVID, we had the COVID rules. So, you know, they built in some things, and they said it might be unequal. You might not play as many home games. You might not get your full schedule in if something happens. Um, and this is how we're going to have to deal with it. It's just going to have to be winning percentage. And I think this is a unique situation, as we've seen, in terms of a player's health. And I, just, I think you just kind of have to write it off as that's what it is nobody should bellyache about it right you know that that's just that's just what it is deal with it and if you're the best team and we saw it last year with Cincinnati they weren't the home team and they went through people right so if if you're playing your best football and you're an elite team you you can find a way to win anywhere
1: yeah everything happens for a reason this is shaking us all up I know it's shaking the whole NFL up and uh you know I'm glad that this young man is responsive and that we feel a little bit better about this uh, because I really do think we're in for uh, one heck of a playoffs, however they sort it out. Uh, I feel like when the playoffs come anyway, all bets are off, anything goes. But now after this, I feel like you know this year more than ever, it, it's anybody's game. Uh, another question I wanted to ask you because I was looking at your Twitter and I saw you were in the building and I played a clip from Sean McDermott talking about uh, Denny Kellington. Uh, was he interviewed? Yeah. Did anyone get to talk to him? Did anyone get to speak to him? No,
2: we have we have not. You know, they they were really, um, you know, they, uh, understandably so. You know, there there was less media availability than normal. They, they you know, there's usually an open locker room. Um, you can talk to guys. That you, you would have to make special requests for trainers and things of that nature. Um, but it was it was very dialed back. Uh, in fact, I don't know if I've ever seen Sean and and Josh do a press conference together. Uh, and then we had Mitch Morse and Dane Jackson do the press conference together after, but that was the extent of the the availability and I, he talked for forty minutes, so i'm I'm not complaining about it at all. It's just that, it, they're very um, they're very hyper focused on the the mental health of the team as much as anything as well. So I think there's been a a, a and rightly so, I think there's been a a, a desire to protect uh, the players and some of the coaches from this, and as everybody, again, sort of sorts through their feelings and emotions about all the stuff that happened. Cause you just, I keep coming back to it. And we saw what we saw on the field. We saw it on TV or even people that were in attendance. You saw it from a certain distance away. These guys are right there, right? They were right on top of it. They heard the yells and the screams and there's just, there's gotta be so many things that they have to process from what happened there that, um, it makes a lot of sense to me to sort of handle it this way. I don't think uh, anybody who's covering the bills right now is, is sort of complaining about um, the access that we were given.
1: Yeah. No complaints from anyone. I think there's a lot of compassion and understanding and people are just trying to do their yeah. best to navigate this Um I don't, I don't have any more questions, and I don't want to keep you too long, but thank you for joining us. Thank you for answering my questions, and keep doing a good job out there. Like I said, I'm a fan. I've seen you on NFL Network, and I'm, I'm looking forward to your coverage as we head into the playoffs.
2: I appreciate you. Have a good night. Thank you, Mike.
1: All right, call me up, 877-337-6666. When I come back, we'll reset. I'm in here watching the Devils game. Jack Hughes, that's a bad young man. He just scored. The Devils are up 2-1. We'll get all the sports conversations, all of your calls, everything going uh, for the next four hours. Keith McPherson on the fan. This is KM to AM, a five-hour show. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we'll turn it right back
0: up. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: All right, let's not waste any time here. Next thing you know, it's 12 o'clock and I'm done. There's plenty to talk about. Looking forward to taking your calls and talking all around the sports let me reset the table real quick. Uh, before we went to break, I mentioned that the Devils are up 2-1. There's not that many NBA games on tonight, but there's a few hockey games. The Islanders will take on the Oilers at 9 o'clock. That's coming up. And uh, in New Jersey over there at The Rock, the Devils are up 2-1 on the Blues. The Rangers are up 2 nothing on the Canadiens. So eyes on puck a little bit. And uh, I'll keep you updated on our local teams, hoping they are all able to to pull off wins. And in the NBA, uh, four games on tonight, but we're off as far as the Knicks and the Nets go. Uh, Let's see the scores real quick. 66-45, Grizzlies over Magic. 55-39, Celtics over Mavericks. 17-11, Jazz over Rockets. That game just started uh, not too long ago. And nothing really surprising out of those scores. The Grizzlies should run away with that one against the Magic. The Celtics are looking to get back to uh, you know form a little bit. They've been struggling as of late, but uh, we'll see what happens with this Mavericks game. Spencer Dinwiddie is the leading scorer. What's up with Luca? Is Luca waiting to strike? Uh, Luca is tied with Spencer Dinwiddie. They both have 13 points. So, uh, looking at the Jazz game versus the Rockets, nothing to really report there. It just got started. But the news out of the NBA world today is the first uh, round of the voting has been released, right? The all star voting, I should say. And I know people love to say there's no Nets fans, but there's definitely fans voting for your Brooklyn Nets. Eastern Conference front court, the number one vote getter, over 3 million votes, is Kevin Durant. Uh, And for the Guards, the number one vote getter, with over 2 million votes. Kyrie Irving. And then as I was combing through the list and as I was looking at things, at number nine in the front court is Nick Claxton. He's got 160 votes and some change. Good for Clax. This is Clax's best year. I would love to see that young man uh, become an all-star this year. He, he's he's turned a corner. He's really worked for it. And then uh, looking for any New York Knicks, Derrick Rose in the guards category. Kyrie is one. Derrick Rose is nine. He's got 220 votes, but that's just D-Rose, 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 D-Rose. D-Rose is just an icon. He's uh, getting votes from basketball fans from all over. That's not based off of uh, performance, really. D-Rose is up there in age. and You know we've seen uh, Major League Baseball add like legends of the game to all-star games. I don't think Derrick Rose is retiring this year, but he could hang it up. I think if he gets in, it's one of those type of things. Fans are voting him in as a legend of the game at – uh, age 34, uh, his you know prime is way past him, but people have love for Prime D. Rose. You always hear people in the NBA circles talk about Prime D. Rose, Prime D. Rose. A, a lot of people are comparing Ja Morant to Prime D. Rose. He's um, third place under the guards in voting in the West. Steph Curry is one. Luka Doncic is two. And in the front court, of course, LeBron James, the king, is number one with the most votes out of anyone in the NBA. Followed by two-time reigning MVP Nikola Jokic at number two with over two million votes. And yeah, Knicks fans, you got to get some votes for Julius Randle and uh, Jalen Brunson. Get your guys in there. The uh, game is out in Utah this year. Uh, I'm not really interested in going to Utah for much ever, I don't think. But I'm sure they'll put on a good show. Other than that, we're obviously talking NFL, and I'll leave that to you guys to speak on. Uh, We've already got a bunch of NFL calls Jets and Giants related, but I wanted to speak on the New York Yankees. I, I came in dressed in full Yankees gear today because I just feel good about the direction that this offseason is going. I feel like Hal Steinbrenner felt the fans booing him last year. And I talk a lot about John Mara and how last year they wanted to run it back with Joe Judge even after you know David Gettleman was let go. They wanted to give Judge another year. And it was the fans that called the fan and used social media to be heard to say, "No, we need football guys. We need better people than this. You have to make changes." And they made those necessary changes, and now look at the Giants—they're back in the playoffs. It's been a six-year drought, and in year one of a rebuild, here they are. And I think they've got a little chance to rumble a, a bit. But uh, there's a lot of Jets fan, or there's a lot of Giants fans that are Yankees fans. And I feel like there's a little bit of a parallel. So today, the news following up. Um, two days ago, the news over um, uh, the news about Brian Sabian being hired. Now, the Yankees name Omar Minaya as senior advisor to baseball operations. So they are changing the front office, the Yankee brass that we talk about all the time. Like, we don't know what they're doing in the front office. I don't know who's in charge of the Yankee brass. Who's making the decisions? And so many Yankees fans... Bash Brian Cashman and hate on Brian Cashman. Uh, even host, you know, BT had a a, a running um, drop on WFAN saying that Brian Cashman didn't deserve to be the guy to build this Yankees team into the future. Well, maybe he's not doing that alone now. There are some elder statesmen in the room, some respected people in the room, and I think they will all come together to make the best decisions for the Yankees. Uh, Alex Rodriguez put out there, Sabian and Mania, two excellent baseball minds Added to the Yankees' front office, Yanks are striking the perfect balance of analytics with smart baseball people. I'm not an analytics guy. I'm a feel guy. I'm an eye test guy. I watch baseball, and I can just look at how a guy moves out there, how a guy uh, takes pitches, how a guy swings, how a guy plays on a day-to-day basis to figure out whether he's a guy or not, whether he's a good ball player or not. And uh, analytics sometimes... Uh, I think they can tell a different story than what we see. And then that gives them a a basis for some of their decisions. And a lot of times last year, you know, Aaron Boone will get in the postgame and and tell you that IKF is one of the best uh, shortstops in baseball. And then we're counting the errors. And we're going through our head how many uh, games that he's had the yips or couldn't make a routine uh, play at shortstop. And we're like, what are you talking about? Well, I guess there's some analytics that they have that tell them different until they get into the postseason, and then they can't rely on IKF, and they have to rely on a rookie who's getting his first bit of action in the uh, ALCS. I'm not going to rehash all of that, but I do want to get my Yankees fans going and calling up. What do you think's going on? I think this is all how. I think this is all how, and I'll tell you why. Hal Steinbrenner is 53 years old. The last time the Yankees won was 13 years ago. The last time the Yankees won it all, he was 40. The last World Series, how was 40. So he went through his whole 40s without a chip. Now he's 3 years into his 50s. He signs Aaron Judge from Italy. He steps in like the boss would from Italy to say, "Hey, do you want to be a Yankee?" "Yes, I do, sir." "Well then, here's the extra year and the extra 40 million. You're the next captain. See you soon. We got a World Series to win." Aaron Judge is signed for the next nine years before Hal turns 60. I think Hal's looking to win two more World Series to make up for you know the 40 uh, from 40 to 50 uh, 10-year decade that he didn't win one, and, and he's probably trying to win two before he turns 60. That's the type of time I'm on. I didn't boo Hal. I laughed. I was in there Derek Jeter night laughing at everybody booing Hal as he's bringing out a $222,000 check for Jeter. <laughs> and Jeter said, hey, don't boo this, man. And look what he's done in this offseason. I think there's more to be done. He's the one that said we're not done. I'm super excited for uh, baseball to start. We're less than 40 days away from pitchers and catchers. Yankees fans, call me up. Let's talk about it. And to the phones we go. Jacob is in Brooklyn talking football on the fan.
3: Yeah, what's up? First, I want to give a shout-out to Tweet sickle shiner Next, quick thing about DeMar Hamlin. Saying that maybe the in order to honor him, the NFL should put out rename the Comeback Player of the Year award after Demar Hamlin. Just a suggestion.
1: Yeah, I, I expect some type of things. That's like I I couldn't really say to my open, but I, like there's going to be some type of tribute or award or some renaming of awards, something because this is a uh, this is an event in the NFL that we'll all remember for a long time.
3: Right, next, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the chances of a Giant playoff run, maybe to the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, I'll take it from here. Thanks for the call, Jacob.
3: I know there are a
1: lot of people on the fan that have said that the Giants aren't a Super Bowl team. I know there are people that have said that no one's afraid of the Giants. Uh, I don't think that they're winning the Super Bowl this year. I don't think anyone's afraid of them, but you've heard me say all bets are off in the playoffs. We just had Mike Giardi on And I said to him, hey, this is shaking up the whole league. We're about to walk into a playoffs where anything goes. Any given Sunday, Saturday, anybody can win. And when I look at the Giants, all year we've talked about how good their coaching is and how much talent they lack. But over the course of a season, you lose players and some other players emerge and you make moves, you get guys off practice squads, some guys that were starting fall back, other guys rise, whatever. But by the time you get to the playoffs, if you're in the dance, you're in the dance. And these are all NFL players. Yeah, there's some guys that went uh, to USC or Ohio State or Alabama, some guys that went to smaller schools some guys that were drafted number two overall, some guys that were Mr. Irrelevant. But once you get in the dance, they're all NFL-level players, and what's going to separate them in the playoffs is game planning, strategy, decision-making. And I would trust Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, Wink Martindale to prepare their team to plan and game plan for their opponent week by week. I've seen them do it. I've seen them do it this year. Surprised the hell out of me. I thought they were a dead team walking. I honestly counted them out and made the mistake of lumping them in with the same old Jets. I saw them lose a couple games and tie a game that they should have won and then come out and get blown out. And I'm like, this team is not what we thought they were. They started off hot and it was a fluke. But you know what? It wasn't a fluke. It was taking lemons and making lemonade. It was doing something or making something out of nothing, doing more than was expected. In the first year of a rebuild, this Giants team is back in the playoffs with nine wins and maybe a chance to go in as a 10-win team, but they've made noise in the past with nine wins. Their last two Super Bowls, they were underdogs. They weren't expected to do it. They were counted out. They were uh, not the favorites in in the spreads and the odds week to week, but they just figured out. How to win. How to game plan and stay in the game. And and what's the MO of this Giants team? What has it been in, in these wins? They stay in the game, then they steal the game late. That's what you got to do in the playoffs. So I'm not going to sit up here and act like they don't have a shot. I'm not. None of us know. That's the number one thing I tell people. Nobody knows anything. All of these pundits and all of these analysts and all of these hosts can come on and say, oh, well, there's no way. There is a way. This whole league is shaking up right now. We don't know who's going to rise, who's going to fall. We don't know who's just got a better game plan, whose coaches give them an edge. We don't know who's going to go off. So for Giants fans, believe the same way you did in 2007 and 2011. Your team is in the playoffs. So they're they're not like the teams that are eliminated. They're one of the better teams in the league. And the advantage that you have, it doesn't matter about paper, roster, and uh, you know where players played and how they're uh, picked in fantasy or what they're valued at. When, when you get on the field, these are grown men, and they're playing football at the NFL level, and I think that their coaches give them the advantage. And I think Brian Dable and, and his crew uh, are a better coaching staff than a few other crews. I'm a Cowboys fan. I, 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 don't really, I don't really believe in the Dallas Cowboys. I don't believe in their coaching staff. Definitely not the head coach. We'll see what happens with them. But, yeah, you know, the question was, uh, do I think the Giants can make a run? They're going to most likely face the Vikings. I watched uh, that Vikings game on Christmas Eve, you know, kicking back, relaxing, and, and it shocked me. The, the Giants were right there with them with a chance to win. But they played right into the Vikings game. The Vikings win those close games too. So you have two teams that just faced each other a couple weeks ago and played each other close, and their M.O. is winning close games. Well, something's got to give. And I said last night, late, that the Green Bay Packers just put the film out on how to stop the Vikings offense, specifically the best receiver in the league. You think Wink Martindale's not going to take a good look at that? Now, they might not have Jair Alexander and the personnel that the Packers have, but they've got some talented players. They have Xavier McKinney back. We expected Dory Jackson to be back. I think they can do enough. So we'll see. That's why we watch, and that's why this is the playoffs. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. Let's go to Peter in New York City on the fan.
3: Hello? What's up, Peter? You're on. Hi, Keith. Keith, I'm 84 years old. I've lived in Manhattan since 1961. I've seen all the quarterbacks like Y.A. Tittle and Charlie Connolly, Johnny Unitas, all the greats, okay? And I see this kid on the Jets, and there are two things I I, I got to point out that nobody talks about. A quarterback has to be very clever, not the not a brilliant guy, but clever. I don't know. Maybe he isn't so clever. Maybe he's scared. But and he also doesn't have the right ownership, just like the Wilpons with the wrong ownership for the Mets. Maybe the Band-Aid brothers aren't for the aren't for the Jets. No, I, I, I
1: think, think, think you're right. I think they failed this young man. I, I think this kid was terrible. He didn't have a shot. Uh, I, I think that they drafted him and thought that he was just going to come into the league for some reason and light it up because he just was talented, had an arm talent. Right. But there's so much more right. that they should have done for him. Uh, when well, you
3: played quarterback, you know. I do know. It's hard.
1: It, like, And even if you have all the talent in the world, there's so many other things that go into you exactly. actually being successful on the field.
3: Exactly. You know, I look at a guy like Tom Brady. I don't think he could have played in the 50s. He would have gotten killed.
1: Yeah, but see, Tom Tom Brady, great example. Tom Brady got to watch Drew Bledsoe, and Tom Brady was exactly. with good coaches. Bill Belichick, who is the, the best coach of all time, depending on who you ask. And then he had he that chip on his down. shoulder, right? He wasn't taking number two overall. He was taking right. 199. So he had that hurt. He had that pain, and he brought that to the right. field. He wanted to prove That's everyone cool. wrong. Zach Wilson got right. handed the job. He got taken number two overall. They said, here you go. Here's a number two jersey with a captaincy on it. You're What's the man that? in New York. You're king in New York. And, He's showing up to the Islanders also, game,
3: Yankees game, Mets game. Right. And Brady also had a similar situation at, where was he, at Michigan?
1: Right. It wasn't handed to him at Michigan.
3: Right. He had a and fight his way up.
1: You got to work for it. I, it never works when it's handed to you. I mean, that's what they say about, like, kids, raising kids. You know, they wonder why the why the kids don't turn out great. Well, you spoiled them. They didn't have to work for anything. They didn't learn exactly. any life skills. You just handed it to them, and you expected them to be great
3: people. That's right. It can't Everybody can't get a trophy.
1: Yeah, it doesn't work like that.
3: No, it doesn't. I played ball as a kid, but I saw in high school, I don't know if you ever heard of the name Reef Snyder, he was at Charminard High School in Long Island. And I saw Jimmy Brown in high school and college and pro. And these guys were great ball players. I, I knew some of the football players on the Giants. One of them I went to school with was Daryl Des, the left guard. Um, but these guys, they broke their behinds to get where they are.
1: You have to. You have to go through it to get to it. you got to grind. Like, you can't duck the grind. There's no shortcuts, and there is no um, just putting someone in a spot without them earning it, especially in the NFL, and especially for a young guy that comes in the NFL, 22 years old, out of BYU, after a COVID season, um, a small school, not playing against top competition. Like, I can understand if you have a quarterback coming out of the SEC, ACC, and you're like, yeah, this kid will be ready to compete. This kid's playing against Coastal Carolina, and you expect him to come in to New York? The the hardest place to make it? If I can make it there, I can make it anywhere. Like, they failed that kid. They failed that kid.
3: They did, and I think part of it's ownership.
1: It is. The owner owner should have stepped in and said, hold on, okay, you're taking this number two overall pick. We need to literally have kid gloves on this 22-year-old kid. We can't expect him to be a man that. in this jungle. We can't expect right. him to go in that locker room with grown men that are 10, 15 years his age that have been in the league, that have earned it, that come from all types of situations that they had to fight to get out of to get to the NFL.
3: Exactly.
1: And he's supposed to be we, the leader of those men? We used
3: to call the linemen shaved gorillas. Right.
1: The hogs in the trenches.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, it's it ain't easy. Look. I'll get, throw one other thing at you. You know, Aaron Boone was fired by George Steinbrenner. Do you know that?
1: Uh, Aaron Boone was fired by George when when he was a player, yes.
3: Yes, he broke his contract by playing basketball yes, I remember. And, and breaking his ankle. Okay, I don't think he's a great manager. But anyway, that's my opinion. I used to know some of the Yankees in the 50s because I, I used to go to some of the same places they did. I was a single guy in New York.
1: Well, that's a that's a, that's a a good thought, and we're definitely going to have some Yankees conversations, so stay tuned. What I'll say to that is okay, a lot of times I look at Aaron Boone and I feel like he's told what he can and can't do. Like he's got a bucket right. of options. Like choose your own adventure. He's got two adventures he can choose with the bullpen or with the lineup. And a lot of times he chooses wrong. A lot of times he chooses right. But when he chooses wrong, it's like what are you thinking? What are you doing? And I'm like, I, th- I think the analytics and the front office and the Yankee Brass, they hit the computers and the computers spit out numbers and they say, Oh, we're facing this pitcher right. and these batters and this right. guy and this, and this and this and this setting and this ballpark and we're gonna do this. And then when they get in the game, there is- there's no computers on the field. And right. you gotta go off field and you gotta go off script. And and he's boxed into, okay, I gotta follow the script. I gotta follow what we agreed on in the meeting, what we went over prior to the game and not just always go with the feel of the game or know, like, hey, throwing Clark Schmidt right here is probably not the best move. Absolutely. So hopefully with Omar Minaya and Brian Sabian, there's a little different conversation before the game, prepping for the game, and maybe he's got a couple more buckets to choose from with what he can and can't do.
3: I hope so. Where does Omar Minaya come from? Omar Minaya I'm
1: not even familiar with. Neither am I with... um, with uh, Brian Sasabian, they're both older guys. But from what I'm understanding, reading about them, and I did know because I did just read the article. Um, what I'm understanding about them is that um, Oh, Omar Minaya is a former general manager for the Mets. That's right. Um, but what I'm understanding about cool. them is that, you know, the Yankees have gone analytical, right? There was a while where I was looking at the Yankees like, they want to be the Tampa Rays so bad. They want to play Tampa Rays baseball, not Yankees baseball. Well, now you got some more old school guys that are you know, going to be voices in the room. So maybe you get a little bit less of an analytical approach and and more of a, a feel approach, an old-school approach.
3: Right. I hope so. Hope so. We could use that.
1: We certainly could. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it, Peter. Good talking to you. Call me up, 877-337-6666. Keith McPherson on the fan. Plenty to talk about Giants-Jets, and I see these Yankee calls starting to pop up. We'll get to them. I'll be right back. Got about uh, nine, ten minutes or something like that till we break again. Time moves so fast in these five hour shows. It's almost nine. We're almost two hours in. Keith McPherson, your nighttime host, rocking for five hours, talking around all the sports. Opened up speaking on DeMar Hamlin. Today was a good day, man. Today was a day where. I felt like I could breathe, I could exhale, and I'm not that close to the situation. I'm just a host and an NFL fan and someone that played football and uh, just couldn't get the images out of my mind from Monday night. And uh, I listened to Lashawn McCoy speak on it, pit guy, and he said, you know, the NFL is a brotherhood, and when someone goes down, we're all waiting on our brothers to get up. We're all waiting on our brothers to give us that thumbs up or that head nod or, or just, you know, be alert and be awake and say, I'm good. I'm good. I'll see y'all later. And they didn't get that. And and that's terrifying when you don't get that. And I think they got that today, even though everyone couldn't see him, everyone wasn't with him. The team returned to practice. Just hearing that story today that this young man woke up and he wanted to know who won the game. The game was postponed, son. Like, he, he, this guy, he, there's no way, you know, imagine him sleeping and, and, and dreaming. He, there's no way he could dream of the outpouring of support and the donations and the conversations that we have had around him and his life. And uh, it, it's beautiful when you think about, you know, someone like that at 24 getting to uh, experience it. Right. That This is the type of stuff that we experience after we leave this earth and we don't get to you know, partake in, uh, when they say, give people their flowers, give people their roses, a scary thing like this, he got to really see how everyone he knows and loves, feels about him and beyond. And, uh, I think that's great. I I look forward to following the story and his recovery. And I still pray that he makes a full recovery. I don't care if he ever returns to a football field. I hope that he is able to live a good and healthy life. And if he chooses to return and there's no complications and, um, You know, it's not hazardous or there's nothing that the doctors say uh, about his heart or his condition to stop him. And he wants to return to the NFL. I'm I'm sure the the Bills will have a spot for him. But, you know, today hearing that he was alert and responsive and he can hear and he's writing. He he can't speak because he's, you know, still um, being assisted with his breathing. But it just shows you, you know, the type of competitor the kid is and where his heart is. He is fighting for his life and he's worried about his brothers, his teammates. He's fighting for his life and he wants to know who won the game. The game did not go on without you, young man. We are all praying for you, thinking about you, and all of that stuff is secondary uh, to your life. And I think that's going to be beautiful when he sees you know the GoFundMe and, and social media and uh, you know the cards and all the nice things that people have come together to do for him. Now, uh, here in New York, it's week 18. The Jets. They're going down to Miami to face the Dolphins, and it's a meaningless game, but it's a division rival that you want to knock off and knock out, and you certainly can, Jets fans. I'm not sure exactly who's going to lead you to victory quarterback-wise. Mike White, probably he's going to try and go, but it could be Joe Flacco. We'll see. Uh, Maybe Chris Streveler will have a package in there, but it won't be Zach Wilson. I've already spoken tonight on the comments that the uh, coaches have, ha- have made to the media about Zach Wilson. I just, you know, I wish they would just like decline to comment at this point. This, he's been the story of this whole season, and it's not a good story. Um, other than that, with the Giants, I think they should rest their guys. But I said last night and, uh, you know, the night before, that they should not tell the players that they're going to rest, right? It should be the type of thing where you, you gear up for the game the same way you gear up for every game. Be ready to play. Be ready to compete. Go out there and win. Step into the game and see how the Eagles are playing it. Step into the game and see how Jalen Hurts is playing. And I know that, you know, the, the number one seed for the Eagles and winning the division is everything. They're going to do what they got to do to win the game. But there's got to be some thought to playing spoiler and having some get back from, uh, what was it, 2018 or 2019? I don't know. I don't even think it was that far back. Uh, last year was twenty 20- one. One season. So the 2020 season, I think it was when uh, Doug Peterson didn't want to um, didn't want to uh, cooperate and help the Giants get in. No, Nick Sirianni has been the coach the last two years. Yeah, so 2020, he's a coach 2021, 2022. Here we are in 2023. The years fly by. I'm getting old. I can't keep up. I cannot uh, keep remembering all of these sports and all these seasons and all these things that happen. I think that's funny too. That's something I wanted to say on the fan. You know, I I, I love Evan cuz Evan's just got that like computer brain that can do that. He can just retain things. We're listening to him talk about the jet skins. I'm like, what is this guy talking about from 2003? 20 years ago. I'm like, in 2003, I was a sophomore in high school. Like I was I, I was playing football, but I was not retaining that information like that, but you know, it's different different hosts and uh different styles and uh, i'm definitely not a guy that can retain that much information and uh, i've read this thing about like the internet and what it's doing to my generation we are flooded with so much information on a daily basis like our brains don't even have the like ram for it like we don't even have the memory space for some of the things in the past because we're taking in so much we're so hyper stimulated and we can get so much information at our fingertips now um so yeah, I'm not, I, luckily I have Google because I'm not the type of guy that can just call out certain things. But there there are some things that I just know as a sports fan. Like I, if, if I did like sports trivia, I wouldn't be good at it. But I, there would be some random questions that like I would get that some other people wouldn't get. But that's what we do. We talk sports. So call me up, 877-337-6666. We'll get into the Jets conversation, the Giants conversation. And now I think I've stirred the pot a little bit on the uh, Yankees as well. And there's some things that I definitely want to say and continue uh, talking about I, I definitely I uh, want to talk more about Brian Sabian and Omar Minaya as I'm reading and, and researching more about these old heads uh, they're older guys it's another thing, you know talking about the past like I was never watching the Mets uh, and, and until I got into WFAN there was not one season that I could tell you I watched a full Mets game it's just not my style I'm a Yankees fan it's my style now these are my Mets now I have to be prepared to talk about them on the radio but like Omar Minaya, that did not click for me right away. I had to read the article and think about it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, but I know Mets fans hear that name. That's your guy. For Yankees fans, who's our guy? It's been the same guy for years since we were children. All right, back to the phones. Let's go to my guy Harvey in Dick Sills, who was actually on with me that first night, and I learned that Harvey is a doctor, and uh, I appreciated Harvey's call on Monday night after the game got postponed.
4: Thank you for the privilege of doing that. It's uh you know i I've been a practicing physician still are and i go to a hospital and uh i do i i do believe that if you have belief in God and you have very uh, good medicine that you can see miracles I've seen many in my life and this seems to be one of those becoming one of those miracles so
1: yes amen
4: right uh by the way before I get to the rest of it uh, uh the reason that uh that omar ma maniah probably was hired was that he's a Latin America expert. And uh, you know, uh, Latin American players make a big percentage of major league ball players, and those those countries have academies. And as far as I know, for the Mets, uh, after he was general manager, he went out and scouted these Latin American players, and I think that's a smart move on the Yankees. But yeah, having said that, um, the um, you know sometimes it's it's uh, proper and good to strike while the iron is hot, so to speak, and while we're dealing with this miracle that we're seeing. Uh, I, I do believe that, uh, uh, that maybe you could help me with something, Keith. As, as, you, as I said, I am a physician for a long time. I've been on the fan for a quarter of a century, 25 years. Uh, I have believed that everybody in the United States of America and the world should be certified in CPR, or at least how to do CPR. Okay? And, and uh, my experience with CPR in public is, uh, is that people run away from it. And I've been I've done a Heimlich in a, in a Japanese restaurant I've done CPR in restaurants and, and when you get up to do it they stare at you and nobody very rarely do they get up and help you I'll be quite frank with you so I think you can save every CPR trained person and the public can be trained in CPR it's very easy to learn uh, and it can save can save a life anytime when it comes upon you as long as you go and participate and do it as i said the experiences is that that people run away from it and i'm hoping maybe keith i've changed a lot of many things in medicine in my career and i'd like maybe you could help me you 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 have that that uh, ability as a host and working for a station that i have called uh, for 25 years and you can start with fan to have to encourage people to tra- be trained in cpr you never know when you're going to be called is it possible that you could help me with this? Uh, yeah, maybe that's I, I love the idea.
1: Like I'm not trained in CPR and I no, feel like it's something that, that I should have. I'm, I'm always trying to add skills and knowledge and I'm thinking like maybe it's something they should have in, in high schools or colleges. Correct. Absolutely, um, yes. Especially with, with what we just saw here and hopefully this is an inflection point where people say, okay, this saved this young man's life. We need to have more people trained and we definitely need to get away from the like stigmatism or the Awkwardness of someone doing this and other people running away or looking at them like this isn't something that everyone should be trained in. They've
4: looked at me. I, I was in a restaurant with 200 people and I happened to be next to a doctor and a nurse who quickly paid their bill and left because my wife was sitting next to them. And I've been around, they just look at you and sometimes you need help, you know, and you always have to call and be aware you have to call 911. Is it possible? Uh, you know, people know I'm Harvey from Dick's Hills and maybe they would, that you can connect him with somebody. Maybe you and I and whoever you talk to can help do this. And maybe we could start with FAN and have everybody at FAN trained in CPR because you never know when you can save a life.
1: Yes. Great call. Thanks for the call. We have to go to the break and the update, Harvey, but we'll get in touch with you. Marco's coming up with that. Let's do that right now.